As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. As of the last episode of Time Czars that we did right here on The Athletic, we really weren't sure if either of the Chiefs' 2020 starting tackles would be back on the roster in any way, shape, or form for the 2021 NFL season. Now, thanks to a tweet here, a press conference there, Brett Veach putting out some timelines seems like that may actually be one position group that's attempting to run it back for yet another season. There is a lot to talk about from what was supposed <laughs> to be a pretty quiet week and change. And we'll do it here on Time Zars. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor. Seth Kaiser will be tagging in momentarily. But Nate, the press conference, the Monday morning Brett Veach press conference, just given breaking news after breaking news. What a whirlwind. What an experience. <laughs> It is it is officially dawned on what our future is, Josh, for the foreseeable spring. Um, these things are cyclical. Um, it was around nine ten on Monday <laughs> that I had to come to the realization that I'm going to be writing about the offensive line for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> now. That should be compelling for Chiefs fans. I know they don't score touchdowns, but they do keep your quarterback Whoa, up, right? If hey, they hold on, some of them score touchdowns. Some of them yeah. scored. Some of them scored eight. One of them scored a touchdown. Yeah, fair. Um, but this happens from time to time, and so um, I just want to tell people I need to call our colleagues, uh, and this is not to this is not to scare you, Chiefs fan, whoever you are, he or she. But there was a time where my good buddies, Stephen Holder and Zach Kiefer in Indianapolis, all they wrote about was the offensive line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, all they wrote about was the offensive line. It was like a two-year thing. I I don't know (laughs) if that's going to be the case. I just know up until September 5th, probably, that most of my stories are going to be offensive line related. Um... Now, with the Colts specifically, Homeboy was just like, I can't do it no more. I, I just, <laughs> I I can't. And I I just, I have to be anywhere but here. Now, that will not be the case for Patrick Mahomes. Um, we assume the Chiefs scouting and front office will manage the situation better uh, than what happened in Indianapolis. But it is fascinating to me that, you know, Josh, when we first started uh, really discussing this team, even before we did the podcast in 2018, it was like, okay, the whole season's about Patrick Mahomes because he's mm-hmm. the first time, first year starting quarterback. The whole season's about him. A lot of ways, you know, 19 was about, okay, can they do it? You know, a little bit of it is defense because there's all these new characters on defense and they completely restructured it with Steve Spagnuolo. Um, last year, as you mentioned, was sort of running back. Now it's about the offensive line. Um you could tell me a like Josh, tell me a starting week one offensive line. 
Name names and I'll believe it. That's where we are. For any one position or the whole thing? I'm not sure I could definitely give you any one position. Right? (laughs) That's kind of the point. Like, we're... Lucas Niang is a legend already. Yes. I, 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 I was, Nate, I was just about to say, I think my first pick, if you were going to draft starting week one lineman, I think Lucas Niang might be my number one pick. And that dude hasn't played professional football, football. yet. He hadn't, he hadn't even played a preseason game. Like, no. He hasn't been in a practice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's going to show up to camp jacked or, or flabby. I don't know. Uh, I don't know kind of shape he's in. I mean... Nick Allegretti's in the mix, you know. Um, it was interesting that Brett Veach said that Nick Allegretti took a step forward. I agree with him. That is a fair statement. We can we can take that, hold on to it, feel good about it. He said Andrew Wiley was uh, consistent at the guard position. We would like to contest that in a in a, in a, in a courtroom. <laughs> Um, this claim is under review. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times where he's been pretty good. There's been times where he even acknowledged that he has had bad days. Um, he should never play tackle again. We, we, Mm -hmm. we, we just, you know, there, there's a little bit of gray to that. Um, then you get to the idea of, he never mentioned Austin Ryder, who was a free agent. Uh, this is Breveage I'm mentioning. Um, I think I have the most faith in Mitchell Schwartz, but that's giving faith to, as I check it here, a man who, you know, is going to be 32 when the season starts, mm-hmm. coming off of, of a back injury where, you know, Brett Veach said that it was a disc, which leads one to believe, although we don't know if this is completely a fact yet, if it's a herniated disc, but that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got his disc repaired, or one of his discs repaired in his in his vertebrae, in his spine. Um, and (sighs) when you hear the name, and this is not to slight him because he's been actually pretty good at his job. Um, but when you hear the name Rick Burkholder, Josh, just, just what comes to mind? I, boy, I don't know. This feels like a trick question because the way you (laughs) framed it makes me think it should be a negative thing. I think, I think, here's what I think of. I think of. That man being at a podium for damn near an hour this time a year ago, given COVID protocol yeah, updates. Yeah, and, and did a great job with that. Did a great by, job. By and large, yes. I also am forced, because Twitter has forced me here, to mm-hmm. think about some of the injury sort of day-to-day kind of concerns that have popped up when there have been players who have been, you know, day-to-day and then have gotten surgery later on that have never really come back fully the same. Maybe some optimistic timelines probably in there somewhere. Did that cover most of the bases? Did I miss anything? No. No, you, you're, you're spot on. Um, He was masterful when it came to getting the team through the season, even though yeah. he unfortunately, um, you know, contracted COVID and we're grateful that he has come through it on the other side. Um. But I do know that when it comes to the messaging, and this is why I bring up Rick Burkholder's name, a uh, longtime head athletic trainer, one of the best in the NFL, has been by Andy Reid's side since the beginning, y'all, since like 1999, I believe, or, or with, with Philly, of course. So, um, but we all know the messaging, the way it's communicated, has been a little muddy at times, a little bit unclear. Um, now, I could say, that he was accurate in saying that Eric Berry was day-to-day because we literally are day-to-day. And then he literally said literally day-to-day. And I'll never forget it. I know fans won't forget it. Um, There's been times where, you know, he was pretty good. Nobody remembers this, but he was pretty good about the timeline for Chad Henney's return in 2019, although Chad Henney never played, and that he basically said that, no, Chad Henney will be fine. This isn't a career ender despite his age and the severity of him fracturing his ankle. Uh, He was correct on that. All I'm here to say is Brett Veach looked at a sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and told us, Eric Fisher's going to be ready by training camp? (laughs) More or less in that tone of voice, it seemed a little bit, right? Yeah, and... Look, I, I credit the Chiefs for giving us some information because they have more than we do. I, I should absolutely sure say that up front. Like they like from a medical standpoint, they know how the surgery went, they know what was repaired. We don't know 
and I wasn't uh, been privy to this, if it was a full tear rupture, like there's, you know, there's, there's shades to an Achilles injury as is with most cases. Um, they know more information than us. Cool. It was nice of them to tell us when he had the surgery, which was five days after the AFC championship. So, uh, they took the necessary steps pretty quickly. Um, and if all goes well, he'll be back in less than eight months. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's optimistic, like to a point that's, um, you know, a little, a little pie in the sky ish, uh, mm-hmm. or if it's, or if it's true. So here's the, here's the reporting I did, Josh. Well, Brevish talked. I got on the phone, uh, tried to get some understanding as to like, Hey, you, you know, there are people that have more information than me. It's my job to sort of relay that on as we move forward. You want to know the response I got back? I'd love to know. In essence, it was nobody knows. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, like, fair enough, I guess. Like, like it could happen, but nobody knows. Um, everybody heals and returns from an injuries differently. That's all I can give Chiefs fans comfort in. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, it may go into October. It may be that he's slightly early in July, and you can test it more so in in August. But um, the season kind of, in a weird way, comes down to the rehab of Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz, and a little sprinkle of Patrick Mahomes. You know who we yeah. all assume is going to be fine after his turf toe surgery. Um, shortly after the Super Bowl. What do you think about how this frames everything? Because I feel like we got some answers from Brett Veach, mm-hmm. um, as much as he can give on March 1st before free agency starts in two weeks. But I think those answers still lead to a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, so also let me make sure that we get the the sort of the facts of it out there. So what what Veach said is he was you know he was asked about the recovery timelines of Schwartz, Fisher, and Patrick Mahomes. He said Mahomes will be ready by camp, but he's ahead of of Schwartz and Fisher, which makes sense. Um, Schwartz, as we said, he had the surgery that he himself tweeted about uh, about a little over a week ago now at this point, or about a week ago as as of this point, uh, saying that he wants to come back and is is looking forward to a healthy 2021 and he got yes. the surgery was hoping to be able to come back for the Super Bowl for something along the playoffs obviously never happened and then Schwartz was or and then and Fisher was obviously the the big surprise because of everything you just laid out about the Achilles timeline so with all of that out there if if you take if I'm allowed to go back not even just to to Veach on Monday but to go all the way back to the last episode of the show we did mm. you talk about how it frames things it, it, I can't say it changes everything because I'm leaving an asterisk there. But it changes everything with an asterisk. It, it changes a, a ton of, of how this offseason is going to be discussed because we're, we're talking about two weeks ago, we thought the Chiefs were, were probably, that there was a very good chance that they were going to go into, into 2021 with two new tackles. And also, and, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to Seth here in a little bit about this, but, but something that Seth is absolutely just beaten into the ground for the last couple of years is how much the Chiefs put on their tackles and how it's one of the reasons that a a lesser invested in interior offensive line has largely been, if not great, at least good enough because you're putting Mitch Schwartz and oftentimes Eric Fisher on an island and that's just sort of how this offense works. So replacing both of those tackles with both of those roles really puts that entire unit under I don't know, Super Bowl amounts of stress. Like, that's the worst case scenario. (laughs) Well, then it was maybe Mitch Schwartz is coming back, and okay, well, now, you know, could could Lucas Niang and uh, a tackle from the first two rounds compete for that left tackle spot, and you just YOLO, whoever wins that spot wins it. Now you are YOLOing the left tackle spot protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side, but maybe there's a move there. Maybe something happens in free agency. You cut Eric Fisher and go try to bring someone in at left tackle. Yang's your swing guy. Maybe he's the right tackle of the future. Schwartz only has one year left on his deal. And if he gets hurt, Yang could go out there. Maybe you bring back Mike Rimmers also. Yep. But now, if, 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 and I think that the if here is just sort of, it's complicated. 
But if they actually believe that Eric Fisher is going to be ready to go by week one, the, the, the flexibility at the position changes enormously. Now, obviously, I still think I tweeted this. I want to save this to anyone who has not already tweeted it at us. If, if Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz are as healthy as they were this day five years ago on week as of week one, they should still draft a tackle somewhere relatively early on yeah. because they're both older. They're both coming off of major injuries. They should still be looking to add to the tackle position. Easy peasy. This one's just, yeah, I get it. The thing that I would love to know what you think in terms of all of the, you know, the idea that no one really knows what's happening and, and we're all just doing our best here. Here's what's confusing to me. And this is, this is where I wonder... This is where I wonder if I am am taking the bait on something. But if you're going to say, what is the, what's Occam's razor? What's the simplest solution to decoding what Brett Veach said on Monday? The idea that Rick Burkholder would be purposefully misleading Brett Veach is a total bonkers nonsense non-starter. <laughs> like, that's just, that's, that. it can't be that. It but simply cannot be that. But we, we, we should also be clear, that's. That's best case scenario. That is a no setbacks, B, right? Nothing else happening between now and when the surgery occurred. And given that we're still in a pandemic and nobody knows how the offseason is going to go, and nobody knows how you can train or how the rehabs like these, like what Rick Burkholder put on a piece of paper for Brett Beach is best case scenario. But if I take the acknowledgement that it's best case scenario, I don't know what benefit there is. And it maybe this is where I'm hoping that maybe you've got an answer. And if not, then then so be it. But I don't know if there's a good reason to be publicly super best case scenario about something like that, unless it's just maybe it's just throwing smoke screens because they're gonna try to trade up for a tackle it in uh, the first half in of the, the first, first round, round or yep. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's that, but if they're going to do that, they're going to cut Fisher right before the draft. And maybe as it could be, they could cut him after the draft, I suppose. Regardless, it, it just, to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense to think that anyone in there is being excessively untruthful over something that still, though, it doesn't fully pass the smell test because it, it seems like something in that, in that crock pot there has gone bad. And I don't, <laughs> and I just simply don't know what to think about it. This is, uh, I, I didn't know we were going to do this, but this is a class, ladies and gentlemen, and um, status quo. What is the status quo moving forward? Status quo could change. Therefore, there's a consequence to those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense right now, because I've thought about this and sort of asked this out loud. Okay. You could save a good portion of money by cutting Eric Fisher. But you'd have to do something with that. <laughs> right. Um, we're still 13 days away from when you can negotiate with free agents. Um, I believe my I believe my math is correct there. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the first rule, kids. For the next eight to nine days, there's going to be so much lying mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be floated mm-hmm. out. About free agency, because that's that's what happens. Hey, I'm, I'm. Did you hear about this? Because I mean, if that's true, then that changes this. Like, there's just gonna be a lot of, you know. Well, I, I and I'm texting people like, well, I heard this is what they're thinking, and I'm like, but that's, but but I I hear something completely different from somebody else that I trust, right? And it's so up for the next eight to nine days. It's just gonna be funny to know. All right, were these comments these comments were clearly made at the time given the status quo. But if you if you want to move on from Eric Fisher, uh in a lot of ways it's cheaper to retain him even at his number from a cap standpoint mm-hmm. than to have to go into a bidding war with tackles because any tackle worth a you know what is essentially going to be a bidding war in the free agency market and it's going to take Draft capital, whether now or in the in the future, to move up if you want to take a left tackle. If the board falls away, that I kind of think it's going to fall, which is hey, tackles are important. Did you just see the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um. So you could hope for best case scenario because that at least 
gives you a year to figure it out with more money, we hope, with the cap sort of going up because we hope the world will be better. We hope that a March (laughs) from now, we hope I won't be going to a grocery store this morning with the mask on my face. Right. Um, (laughs) So after all those hopes... You can see why it makes sense to say, well, he knows the system. We know he's a good player. We know he's a pro bowler. There's not a lot of history to say that, like, hey, left tackles with Achilles do blank. Yeah. But you need a guy to commit to you that you know is either comparable or better to move off, to move move that money elsewhere. Um. They're kind of the Chiefs are in a tough position, and I hope I'm explaining it halfway decently. Mm-hmm. But I, I do get the sense that okay, uh, they've always appreciated Eric Fisher. It's just now that the world has sort of caught up to what the Chiefs' thought process was about mm-hmm. how they evaluated their own player, uh, which is cool. Better to get your roses now than never, Eric Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know too that. They're going to check in on his rehab. They're going to see where he is. They're, they they want to know if he's progressing at which matches up with the timeline that Burke Holder sort of gave to Veach. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be opportunistic at the same time. And I yeah. and, and I know I know Eric knows that. Um, so you're playing a little bit of both ends, but in all honesty, Josh, if they if they can get like I think if you could tell the Chiefs, like you can get away with another year of Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, maybe slightly less of the production that you got in previous years, they might end up taking it. Cause again, maybe people are lying already. I, I thought Trent Williams was a legitimate option. Trent Williams is gonna make all the money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Despite the fact that we ain't got no cap space. That's, yeah. When I say we ain't got no cap space, I mean half the teams in the league are like, but dog, we ain't got no cap space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Here, so here's let me give you two things because I also want to pivot out a little bit into the story you wrote up in the athletic right now. You want to read more about the Chiefs in the offensive line because Nate's going to write 97 more of these stories from this point yeah. forward. There's a version of it up on the athletic right now. Go watch that one. Got a great picture at the top of the article with Patrick Mahomes, like basically, basically cupping the heads of, of uh, Mitch Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Really good work on the photography department on this story. It's very, very good. But uh, you can go read this and, and, and get more info from what Veach said and, and kind of where, where Nate has headed on a bunch of this stuff. But two, two elements of that that I think are worth drilling in on a little bit. One is if the Chiefs think that Eric Fisher is going to look like Eric Fisher at week four to six or something, and, we're, mm-hmm. and you're not talking about going eight or maybe 16 weeks without Eric Fisher, that's still a huge benefit because eight, obviously, if you're kind of doing some like knee-jerk uh, Achilles recovery timeline stuff, 16 if you release him outright. Maybe Lucas Niang can hold that spot for a few weeks. Maybe they bring back Mike Rimmers and and have a swing tackle who can go back into that third role whenever Fisher's healthy. Rimmers was obviously a nightmare in the Super Bowl. I wonder if the rest of the offensive line wasn't a series of other backups if that would have gone a little differently. What and also it's a good pass rush. I, I digress. Yes, but it's easier to, to to plan for four games without Fisher than eight or ten or sixteen or, or actually actually really maybe seventeen. But 
the other thing that you mentioned kind of offhandedly earlier that I, this is going to, I think this is going to be my thing. I think this is going to be the thing that I am constantly shouting at the sky as people. And look, I mean, all the mock drafts are a blast, but once you get to 31, it's really hard. It's hard. Like I, I have fallen in love with Samuel Cosme from Texas because I'm like, well, you know, he's he's ending up around the 20s. If he falls a little bit, listen, man, you can say whatever you want about Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Or that's, how that's many times am I going to see? That's my guy. Uh, Tevin, oh, really? Right now, Tevin, I'm going to be grinding through this shape, sir. The Tevin whole- ain't going to be there, Nate. Tevin's gonna go in the twenty late twenties. It's just gonna happen. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have Alex bleeping Leatherwood, a man who at this point his I I I bought a Chiefs Alex Leatherwood jersey just to have it ahead of time because that's where all the mocks are at this point. And but do I you just, know wanna... that he's better than Lucas Niang? I I don't. I don't know. Right, right. Can he play le- like? Can can we just tell people quickly, Josh? This is hard. Yes. You left tackle. Is just as hard at times as quarterback. Let's never it's forget difficult. this, okay? Like yeah. third and eight. You okay? You 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 go out there and block <laughs> Khalil Mack. You, right. you go out there and do that. Like like it's really hard, especially with an Andy Reid office where they're like, "You got it right." <laughs> Tyreek Hill needs four seconds on yeah. Jeff Chip Watts. Go. Yep. Just just go. Yeah. Like, hey, don't, oh, that's Nick, don't let Nick Bosa buy you Nick for four Bosa seconds or else we lose the Super Bowl. Ready? Break. <laughs> so I just it's not even me. even like I haven't found a person on planet Earth that doesn't think that the guy out of Oregon's not a legit like top five pick and that he's oh, not he all that. So monstrous on tape. Monstrous. He looks great. He looks great. Also, even then, Luke Jokel went second whenever the Chiefs took Eric Fisher first. Like that was like a whole deal. Like those dudes were banging it out at the top and like actually not. One of those guys ended up being a really nice player and one totally busted. But even, even yeah. after him, you you find yourself talking in. There are so many teams that are not going to get Sewell. Sewell. I haven't spent much time learning how to pronounce his name because yeah, he's we'll, not going to we'll be there. We'll get there in April. Well, that's right. I'll, I'll get there eventually. Right now it's March 2nd. Everybody chill. You're going to get to some team you're, uh, some team that thinks that they're in consideration for being an actual contender. They just have to protect their quarterback better. And so the board's not going to fall how you think it's going to fall because eventually, uh, eventually, Tevin Jenkins is going to go in the, in the mid-20s to some team that thinks, well, if we, could just, if we just had a left tackle, maybe it's going to be him. I just think yeah. they're going to – it's so uncertain by the end there, man. And it's also like – I don't know. You think they're going to trade up for somebody? Like that's not the game I won't really want to play. And there aren't that many tackles. Right. Shout out. Shout out to another friend, Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams for us. I keep telling myself maybe Tevin Jackson will go to the. That's right. The Rams ain't got no first round picks. They'll never have another <laughs> first round pick because even the Rams need a left tackle at this point. Yeah. Like half the league looked up and was like, "Hey man, there haven't been any good left tackles in the last five drafts." Like, yeah. Dog. So. It, it's, you know, these things are, again, generational. They kind of go in a circle. Uh, I just I just want to fall in. Just let me fall. Josh, let me fall in love with Tevin Jenkins before he <laughs> breaks my heart. As if, like, I'm on The Bachelor or something. And it's like, yes. you were never winning, darling. Like, it's yes. good you were here. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're a fine young lady. But I have to put the rose back on the tray. That's what Tevin Jenkins is going to yeah. do to Chiefs fans. Cause I, I'm yep. gonna go. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go to, you know, wherever. Like I need to look this up, um, here in a minute. But yeah, we're gonna learn so many offensive linemen's names, and then you know what's gonna happen, Briscoe? Because this is my eh, see my hot take. Oh, I'm so ready. I hope we have the same one. <laughs> Wait, did I, hope- did I drop in right oh, as a hot yeah, take is about? Yeah. Yes, yes. I was yes. just gonna say that I really didn't want to do this until until uh, Seth was here. Nate, hit me. All right, kids. Your guy, Josh, just told you, forget tackle. They all gone. They're gone. <laughs> Is any team going to pick up a phone call from the Chiefs and be like, sure, I would love to help you get better by moving up 10 spots to take the tackle that I actually can need? The odds of that is not happening. So mm. I slid this in to the, to the Athletics mock draft. Everybody sit down. They're looking at defensive ends, kids. You're damn right they are. <laughs> They're You're looking damn at right defensive they are. ends. That's happening. Uh, it's over. It's over. 
Nate, it's already happened. The draft is over and they took an edge. Carlos Basham Jr., buy your jerseys. <laughs> Jalen Phillips, I mean, come on. I think Jalen Phillips is, is uh, widely too beloved as a prospect. The Chiefs are going to take somebody who may have been there at the end of the second. It's just what's going to happen. <laughs> They're going to trade up six spots and take a guy that had a consensus third round grade. 1,000%. They're going to trade up seven you, spots and they're going to take a defensive uh, defensive tackle that they want to kick out to edge. Don't don't you dare dismerge Brendan Daly in his scouting abilities, okay? <laughs> you we know what? Know that's a good Mike call. Dana was. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a good true. call. Brendan Daly is a new... He He's a difference, right? Because he yes. didn't come around till after the Passigno and Speaks picks, Speaks right? Picks. Hey, hey, by the way, Never forget my time covering the Chiefs. Greenland uh, speaks. Who's already been on three different teams? Like, whoo, mm-hmm. yeah. Things things change quickly in the league. I'm they so do. glad you said that. I want I want to get what your bet would have been there, Seth. But I I don't even remember where I said this. I can't remember if I said this into a live microphone or if I've just been mumbling it to myself as I stare at the ceiling at night. But and I'm, we're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to find this before this podcast drops because you're gonna move the line on this, Nate. Yep. I am. If I could go bet on a position group that the Chiefs use with their first round pick, I don't know what the odds for edge would be, but I'm guessing that it would not be above tackle or maybe even interior offensive lineman at this point. And I am buying. I'm buying some new shoes with the Chiefs <laughs> taking an edge in the first round. Like it just I, seems like it makes too much sense. I just so you you made it the the tackles being gone. There are two like blue chip tackle prospects in this class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and either one of them, especially uh, the the Oregon guy, Sewell. So, yeah. How do you say? I also I also for, we, Seth. It's hilarious that you weren't listening to the thirty <laughs> seconds before you joined the call because it was me saying the Oregon guy. What's his name? Sewell. I swear. I swear. I that just call him or the Oregon That's so monster. Funny. The That's Oregon so monster that swallowed Oregon, up all all oh, of Pac twelve defensive linemen. That dude, I would if they wanted to trade up ten spots, but I mean that guy's not going to drop to twenty to twenty one, right? No, no, no. Neither of the tackles are, and that's the reality you live in when you're trying to figure out a tackle. I personally, I'm so confused, and I'm sure you guys talked about this. By the way, dear listeners, I apologize. I did not have any way of getting out of an obligation. Um, I, I, I don't. You can, the, you can whole, just say you can just say that you had to sell some drugs. It's fine. It's, it was really it no, longer, no. That so. that's scheduled for after the podcast. <laughs> so the 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 Fisher Schwartz news is great news. Like, but also, I've got a real strong anchor man. I don't believe you vibe, mm-hmm. especially with Fisher. With Schwartz, he's getting surgery now. It's March. He seems optimistic. I don't think he would have even held off this long unless he thought the recovery time wasn't too bad. Like, Mm -hmm. fair enough, right? An Achilles tear that took place in late January, on the other hand. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be back for training camp. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. No. And so I, I, I want them to grab a tackle. Up until I was ready to come into this podcast, because I'm, I'm writing a piece right now on free agents, and one of the things I'm going to write about as I start viewing it more than 10,000 feet in the in the air, like big swings that they could take, I was, I seriously, and like, I was all on board that, you know what, whatever it takes to get just a meeting with Trent Williams, and just say, <laughs> just say, like, that, 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 no, that really was, and that would have required cutting Fisher, of course, mm-hmm. and yep. then a number of other of things. Yeah, but like that—that's that, what I've also learned the last few days. Was like, oh, that—that—that—that's not a. That's probably not gonna be enough. Oh, that's right. How much did Trent Brown make a couple years ago? Yeah, oh, right. Well, and that's right. the problem. And that's the problem. Like Williams, because he's had a bit of a unique career, he might not be ready to like full blown trophy hunt. Well, can I tell you something else about Trent Williams really quick that I just learned? Yes. He's he's older than Mitchell Schwartz. Yes. 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 He I mean, absolutely like that. is. And that, that makes you hope maybe he's willing to trophy hunt. But even if he's trophy hunting, you're not getting that dude at trophy hunting prices. Correct. You're paying that dude 16 mil a year, 17 mil a year. Yeah. And that's trophy hunting like hardcore prices because he was awesome last year. Like, you turn on Trent Williams tape, like, they... <sighs> 
there were conversations in training camp. Like he came in and was dominating Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And so, that, but like, that's the level that I was of panic that I'm at with like the tackle situation. Now, to be fair, I really like Lucas Niang, but I don't know if they consider him a left tackle. I don't know. But I, they, they come out with this Fisher news and I'm sure you guys talked about it, but honestly, it's not that I don't believe them. Nope. Nope. Wait, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> now that I've had an oh, wow. opportunity to think about it. It just, there's no, tell me the, the, the time an Achilles tear. Unless Look, it was more like I, an Achilles hole or like an Achilles blip. But that's mm-hmm. not a thing. That's not mm-hmm. real. Yeah, so, the, 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 the best example I could give, and <laughs> it circulated around the last two days, but is Eric Fisher Terrell sucks? Like, but... That's Terrell Suggs closer to his prime than what I would consider mm. Fisher is at this point. But hey, mm. you know, Terrell Suggs came back in five five months. Just, just there's there's the go. Just, did just did go. Suggs come back in five months? Yeah, it was tw- it was the 2012 offseason to regular season. I mean, so but that, Terrell Suggs is Terrell, Terrell Suggs is like a Hall of Fame level player. I mean, and he's just I've seen. The two look freak. like they're built a little differently. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's he has been he has been God blessed <laughs> in yes. terms of talent, tenacity, work that like Terrell Suggs is is a pretty perfect player um in the modern mm. NFL given what his what his ceiling was, I guess you could say, when he was coming through the draft and based on where he went in terms of situation. Because guess what, kids situation is so so important. But like, yeah, I mean just just be Terrell Suggs. That's the best I could give you in the anomaly category that the Chiefs are hoping that Eric Fisher gets pretty close to or near. And boy, does that make me uncomfortable. Like, but yeah. here's here's the other side of things. If they've decided, like, if they really believe that Mitch is going to be back, that's a big deal. I still think... Like, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they were, like, so hardcore on offensive line this year. Like, okay, our tackle situation might be a little different at left tackle, but if we can get really high-quality play everywhere else on the line, it's not that big a deal. Because if you could avoid a glaring weakness at left tackle, you don't need dominant play there. But it just what if they rely like i have this recurring nightmare that they rely on both those dudes to be healthy and don't do a whole lot else and then neither of them are healthy and i weep openly during chiefs games josh you know what the worst case scenario is right we haven't actually said this out loud i mean my guess i think the worst case scenario is they're they are both there and then both get re-injured probably with no backup plan but i don't know is there a worst case scenario that i haven't thought of yet i I, i'm thinking similar along the lines maybe eric fisher tries to come back sooner rather than later but you end up compromising and there's another injury along the way um you take some swings in free agency but because of the way the salary cap is going to play out now look it's at least 180 million i believe it's probably going to land around 186 185 uh, from what I'm from what I'm sort of hearing and how the the league's sort of filling this thing out, um, it's not the two ten that every team was projecting yeah. a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is just saying a lot. So they're gonna strike out in free agency mostly, um, and nobody's gonna want to trade with them to move up in the draft, given what their situation is that everybody so glaringly understands, and. Uh, it's going to play out similar to what it did in our own mock draft on The Athletic, which, again, I encourage you to read. It's every beat writer sort of giving the team's perspectives that they understand even before we head into free agency. But look, the Buffalo Bills need a left tackle, or they need a tackle. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Liam. Liam E. from Notre Dame. <laughs> That's who I had circled on my on our own draft board. I was like, okay, pick 24. Okay, these we starting to have a run on tackles. Okay, there goes Jalen Mayfield. Cool. All right. Okay. They, they really took Tevin Jenkins. Damn, Baltimore took Tevin Jenkins. Okay, my heart's already <laughs> been broken once. All right, Liam. Liam. Dang. Okay, he's a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> so that's the worst case scenario is that there are more tackles this year than last year. Brett Veach acknowledged that, but you still don't get them because you're picking 31. And... Because of the cap situation, nobody like Seth mentions wants to take a one year deal 
specifically right now in terms of the Chiefs because maybe another team could outbid them. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you're rolling the dice on Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. As much as they are beloved for what they've already accomplished, it will be a lot to ask of them because they're both past 30 coming off pretty significant injuries. Seth, do you have anything else in that? Because Nate and and I talked about tackles for a bit, so. Okay, yeah, nothing else, just that I want them to... I I want them to be highly aggressive with the offensive line. And so Brett Veach coming out and saying, like, that's a number one priority. And people will see this in the article that, like, if I were Brett Veach, I would prioritize the offense. I would double, triple, quadruple down on the offense because I think the way that they contend year in and year out is by having an elite offense and you, you know, be good enough on defense. I think that's how they contend. And it just, the season, it feels like it's going to shape up goofy in terms of whether or not they can really address a position that they didn't think they'd be having to address right this second. What about Russell Kuhn? Now that, that's where it gets tricky, my friend, because you could talk about (laughs) Russell Kuhn throughout. Clark Hunt doesn't know what Bitcoin is, so I don't really think that's going to work out. We could, we, like. He's had his own things with the PA. <laughs> he tried the Bitcoin bit. Do you think play up, play on? I just, th- there's some shakiness. There's some he's, trepidation. He's, he might have some unique aspects to his personality and opinions that might make Andy go, ah, I, just, I don't know. Uh, maybe. But I mean, uh, hold, after on. That, hold on, hold on, who, listen, who, hold on. I know what we're we doing have? here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know what we're all doing here. Sammy Watkins has been on this team the last several True. seasons. Like we all like. True. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, having, I don't think having some weird outside the box sort of worldviews is gonna knock him out of the, out of contention. Well, well, when was the? Well, here's the question: When was the last time he played good or played well? Like, <laughs> well, when's the last time he played? Actually, True. are you talking about Watkins? Well, or I, I mean, hey, 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 hey! <laughs> when they get into the meetings. When it gets really, when it gets really like to honesty level versus persuasion and affirmation and like an overabundance of, you know, trying to soothe one's ears, somebody has to tap. Hey, when was, when was the last time he played well? Yeah. When was the last time he wasn't hurt? When was the yeah. last time he was in the right situation? Yeah. Just, just these these are the questions that, that somebody has to ask. And that yeah. that has been pushed in regards to that play. And that's I no, still don't know if you're talking about wrestler King or Sammy Watkins. I oh my goodness. I think I mean there, there's a few others that you could look at. You could look at Cam Robinson, who hasn't been particularly good. You could look at um how do you Alejandro Villanueva. Nueva. Yes. He actually played pretty well last year, I believe. But the question um, there is does he want to keep playing left tackle anymore? Because it's so hard to play left tackle. It is so hard to play left tackle. Although you know he's not going to kick inside because the dude is six foot nine. So it's like that that dude. But I mean, does he want to play left tackle? It's just hard. Basically, is the short answer. Yep. They want to yep. shore up the offensive line, but it's hard. You basically, if you want like to plug in a sure thing at left tackle, you have Trent Williams. That's it. That's yep. it. And he knows that. And, I mean, look, go get your money, Trent. Like, you saw what Washington did to you. Just go get your money, unless it's for the Chiefs and they can only offer you a certain amount. Then you should play for Pat Mahomes and set your legacy. I don't know if that's a great sell. But it should be. <laughs> I just I, I, I just wish I could get in a room with these guys and be like, come on. Come on. You know, and think of something more persuasive to say than that. But that's the problem at the left tackle. And then, again, in the draft, like you said, Teams aren't going to trade with the Chiefs. Can you imagine the angst on Twitter if the Chiefs like traded up and drafted Sewell or like <laughs> Devonta Smith or something? <laughs> the wailing and gnashing of teeth would be amazing. But yeah, they could have that happen for two years in a row and have it <laughs> pan out in a really important, impactful way for the second consecutive year. People losing their mind. <laughs> who the Chiefs drafted in the first round. Change the game forever. It's not going to be a cornerback. The odds no. of it are not going to be a tackle. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Center, you could probably get in the second and third round. So a little bit of a reach. Yeah. It all lines up, kids. So I want to talk more about this, the edge thing. Because I seriously, like, I it feels, it makes so much sense. I'm not even sure it makes sense in good ways. 
But also, can you guys think off the top of your head, I have the answer key unless I've missed something. Over the last four off seasons, how many draft picks the Chiefs have spent on edges? Yep. I've got a fifth for Mike Dana, mm-hmm. a first and second for Frank, Frank Clark, Clark. Yep. Mm-hmm. a second for Breland Speaks, yep. their first pick of that year's draft, and a second mm-hmm. for Tano Passanio. Mm-hmm. And right now, of, from that group, I believe that going in the next year, you will have an average rotational role player and an average starter. That is what that haul has gotten you at this point. Keep shooting. Going into next year. Keep shooting. Just just more shots. More shots. Just more shots. Look, Brett Veach, you know, I got to say, there are ways that he can sort of reveal his hand that is understandable in ways. And there's other times where, you clearly know that he's, you know, very doing doing the best he can with the status quo and still anticipating what may happen between now and, and the start of free agency. The Chiefs are in some ways, I believe, and don't 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 get too angry, Seth. In some ways, I think the Chiefs are going to be just as just as aggressive, if not more aggressive, trying to find an answer at pass rush. Just as much as the offensive line. Mm. I'm just going to... And that's good that they're finally going to prioritize it. You know, good for that. And that's... I got to tell you, though, that's got to be a frustrating feeling for a lot of people. So, like, the, 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 the Clark trade was obviously, you know, a ton of capital, ton of money. And I think it's just tough to accept, like, that they need to invest more in the pass rush than Frank Clark... And Chris Jones. And, yeah, like and, you, and you gave a franchise tag player $20 million per year. For yeah, you, you ought to be able to build a great pass rush around those two guys if you're going to invest that much into it. And here, here and I'll just be blunt about it because you know, I've had people ask me, well, they should have done this, that, and the other thing. There was, one, there was one of those two pass rushers who was great at rushing the passer last year. The other one was mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating when that's supposed to be your foundational pieces, the reason you can spend that kind of money, that kind of draft capital is, okay, we can count on these two guys to be great. And then we can kind of fill in. And the problem is when Frank Clark has played really well, I would say that's by and large worked out, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. when, 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 when Clark has been playing at his best, like down the stretch last year in a few games this year, um, you would see that kind of complimentary pass rush where he and Jones were just terrified. Like, like I mean, all of us remember week three watching Lamar Jackson run for his life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we all remember that. We all remember last year, you know, in the Super Bowl, watching the pass rush eventually just overwhelm Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. It was great to see. But at a certain point, there needs to be an answer. And this is one of those weird things because had they not traded for Frank Clark, I don't know what other move they would have made that would have given them that kind of production down the stretch and that kind of good play on the edge down the stretch to where they win the Super Bowl. So it's like they already struck the goal that they were aiming for. But I'm guessing what they were aiming for wasn't just one Super Bowl and then average play. And that's where it gets really complicated with Clark because they spent, when you combine the draft pick portion of it, they invested much more in him than they did Jones. And Jones is the one who's still playing great when it comes to rushing yeah. the passer. Yeah. And that's frustrating for people. I think for a lot of people, myself included, that, well, oh, no, well, no, if we just draft another defensive lineman. It's like, isn't the point of paying two guys that much money and then you know sending the first rounder for Clark and a second rounder, I believe, isn't the point of spending all that so you don't have to invest highly? It's kind of like the opportunity cost thing that we talk about with like, you know, like say like, you know, the idea that, you know, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you take that, then you don't have to do these other things to help, right? Mm-hmm. And if they, you still have to do those other things to help, then was it really worth it? Does that make sense? Or is it just in my head that yeah. that makes sense? No, and in fact, like I'll, I'll expand that even a little more since you kind of brought Jones in. Not that either of these guys are Chris Jones or that either of them are that type of, even that type of defensive tackle. But there are also two third-round picks in 2019 and 2018 that they spent on defensive tackles and Colin Saunders and Derek Nottie. And Derek Nottie mm-hmm. also, I would say, is a you know a, a probably a low-end starter, high-end rotational guy, run stuff or whatever, not really mm-hmm. getting after the quarterback. And Colin Saunders lost his job to Tershawn Warden. Yep. Um, it's who, just there's who, a who lot of capital across that line. Yeah. Um, 
now you have to consider who the defensive coordinator is and sure um yes the fact that they all they're they're all in a line this is andy reed brett veach and steve spagnola all agreeing that um if we can make the quarterback feel uncomfortable, that is the easiest path to making a difference on defense. Even despite fair them building a great secondary, who at least could supplement. Of, what? I'm sorry. I was just thinking out of like duct tape, spit, and hope. Yeah, they yeah. Built I mean, a really good secondary. They built a great mm-hmm. secondary, um, based on scouting, coaching, and and guys' ability to to just improve, um. At, a, at an unexpected rate uh, compared to where they were when they came into the league. So it's all in agreement. Nothing is changing. Uh, in fact, I think Brendan Daly understands and has probably even more of a sway now just because of the fact that given their situation and the fact that you have to manage both sides of the football, not necessarily in concert, but you can't, we, we can't leave it behind too much from offense going to defense or vice versa. Um, to where it just makes a lot of sense for them to say, one, there's a lot more difference-making pass rushers on the market and in, and in some ways where we're positioned in the draft. Mm-hmm. Some ways, sometimes the things just fall the way they fall. That seems to be the case here. Um, I know they want to look at receiver as well, but I think I, think I, I choose to believe, at least at this point right now on, our, on March 2nd, that Brett Veach and the Chiefs are pretty clear that we have to get better at the line of scrimmage, both on the offensive line and on the defensive line, despite what we already have being pretty good compared to a lot of other teams in the NFL. That's fair. And I suppose you can't necessarily consider sunk cost. Like, it can be frustrating. Sure, sure, sure. and, and, And that should be acknowledged. But when you're them, they can say, oh, yeah, you know, it would be great if that had been enough. But, you know, it seems like we're needing a little more complimentary help than we planned on. And that, that, that I think, is the frustrating part that's hard to not keep coming back on, where I've seen Clark play at his absolute best. And honestly, I would say even last year, which was by far his better year in Kansas City, he still wasn't as good as he was in Seattle the year before. Right. And that's frustrating because if you imagine that dude playing next to Jones, I don't know if they need to keep making this investment. But it does make sense, the idea of, you know, continue to go because they do look like they're best when they're right getting after it. But it's frustrating because I want a shiny new offensive lineman or wide receiver, guys. <laughs> so, so Seth, would you... Now, here's a comment from Brett Veach that clearly uh, made me go, hmm, I didn't, you know, everything's... Was it how now. they maybe mended fences with Justin Houston? <laughs> um... No, it was not that. Although, <laughs> hey, um, a girl can dream, right? Um, <laughs> now, Brett Beach, and I, I want to I put this quote on paper, i.e. on the Athletics website slash app. I hope it's the thing that made me go, mm, also. Now, I hope it's the same now, thing. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, it's not like we're going to, it's not like free agent is just going to open its gates and we're just going to run in inside a receiver in the first week. Seth, do you believe that statement, or do you feel like that is one to um, tell people, don't, don't, don't worry about us, don't worry about us? Did he say it like that? Let me pull up the quote right. Because while that, you pull that up, let me give you the the other Easter egg that I thought you might have been going to, which is whenever he finally said out loud that they'd like to get a second tight end who can catch the bleeping football. <laughs> that is also... That is not an exact quote either, but that one at least, I was glad that he like, he just said, you know, tight end two. He just said it. It made it more real. Like maybe they'll invest in it a little bit. I, I'm i very interested in, well, for one, the tight end two. Josh, I feel like that much like, um, you know, our desire for them to draft a cornerback or trade for <laughs> yep. one for years. Yep. I feel like tight end yep. two is something we keep talking about. Ab- yes. That, it's just never going to exist. I'm guessing they're going to sign. Let me look. I'm looking at the list of free agents. I think they're going to sign uh, uh, John U. Smith. <laughs> oh no, no, actually, that would be too big of a. That would yeah, be. I would be thrilled I would tell them to they're go do sign, that. Go, go, yeah, no, go make that. They're going to sign Jake. They're going to sign Jake Butt. Well, that would also be pretty fun. And that they make and, jokes about butt. And that's unnecessary. Or, or they'll just like they're just going to tender Nick Kaiser and be like, "This is the year, guys." Um, and, what if, you know, what, he, if, he's what if I told you that um, <clears throat> a team in Philadelphia 
uh, <laughs> makes a cut, and that player just becomes available between now and you know, March 15th. That, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. What it, but player. why would you? But why would you? But why would you do that whenever you could just go get the thirty-seven year age season from Greg Olson, or just see if Jason Witten wants to keep catching passes two yards at a time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe see if Jordan Reed's got anything left. Ooh. That one. Uh, that one. Tyler Efert. Be... You know, maybe it's just been a situational That's issue. Maybe Gronk will play somewhere else. His name. Um, <laughs> here's here's a, here's a here's a quote from Brett Veach. Quote, I can't see us running out of the gates the first week of free agency to sign a receiver. I don't think that's where we're at. End quote. Wow, that's specific. That's like when my, that's like if my wife unsolicited comes up to me, she's like, you know, I just can't see me just like grabbing a dog and bringing it home to adopt. (laughs) I'd be like, I I, I was just sitting here eating pizza. I don't know. Why would you say that? You know what I mean? No, you yeah. know what? I can actually, I can have a, I have a direct experience with this. It wasn't no, a dog, but it, it was wasn't. chickens. And guess sure what? Was. I have, I have chickens now. Where she's yeah. just like, oh, I wouldn't just go out and get chickens. And I was like, it had never entered my mind that you might do a thing like that. Yeah. Why, why'd but, you bring it up? Chicken. She's like, well, oppor- don't go out to the van. <laughs> <laughs> when opportunity meets, you know, you just, those chickens yeah. were a calling. She just happened to walk. Did you know baby chickens are very cute? In case you didn't know that. But no, that's And so is Kenny Galloway. I mean, who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and let me just, to all Chiefs fans everywhere, Allen Robinson is probably a pipe dream. That dude's going to get offered $25 a year somewhere or something. He's going to get offered the crazy wide receiver money, right? Because he's awesome. Yes. And and I know he's saying, Don't go back to Chicago. Don't go yeah. back. Yeah, don't do it, Alan. Don't go back. And, and like, and I get it. it, like the idea of legacy and that kind of stuff. And Allen Robinson would do obscene, borderline, probably couldn't show it on national television things <laughs> to defenses <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. It would be, it would be like what I think they wanted when they grabbed Watkins. If I'm being honest, like a guy who can dominate any one-on-one matchup, but. He's going to get offered an obscene amount of money, and you'd take it too. You would. I'm. I would take it. You would take it. We're all buyable at a price. It's just the truth. Um. And he. And there. There are contenders who can offer him that kind of money too. Can I tell you something about Kenny Galladay? Because his name keeps coming up, and I think he's a really interesting. Kind of like he's not Allen Robinson, but he would. He would be very interesting in this offense. Is it Galladay or Galloway? Galladay. Galladay. Okay. Um. He is the same age as Sammy Watkins. Wow. Sammy feels so... Well, Sammy's only 28. He's 28, but he's been in the league for a, for a thousand years already. He's moved teams. I mean, even like with the Trent Williams thing, like that dude played in Washington for long enough that it was just four years in my mind, even though it was nine. It was Washington. <laughs> you age differently. It's like dog years mm. when you're just playing like in irrelevance. Mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay has just been out there just kind of grinding along in Detroit. I'm sure he came out of the league much later in his age than, than Sammy Watkins did. But it's it's just it's completely bonkers to me. I'll also shout out this one to uh, our friend and colleague Matt Derrick, who informed me that uh, Sammy Watkins is also uh, 28 years old, which is lined right up with Byron Pringle. <sighs> what? Byron Pringle Man, and it, Sammy Watkins are both 28 years old. It, it that's like when someone told me that Kelsey and Gronk are like the same age. Yeah. Yes. And that's what happens when you when you when you come out of the league or you come into the league at like 21, 22, as opposed to 19 or 20. It just, it's crazy what that adds. But here's, you know, so, okay, let's break down this Brett Veach lie. I mean, quote. Um, <laughs> well, and here's the deal. He he might be telling the truth in a sense, much like Jazz was telling the truth that she wouldn't just go out think, and buy I think, chickens. I think, the, I think the word we're looking at is running. Yeah, and she didn't run. Running. She calmly got in the car with her friend Lauren, drove to L&M Fleet, calmly walked to the back of the store where the chicks were, very calmly said, hey, I would like 10 of those, calmly put them in the van. So, you know, it could be very calm. Here's the interesting thing to me. When you look at this group of receivers, so you got Allen Robinson um, and you've got Galladay if he doesn't get franchise tag, which I don't think he will. 
But I mean, you it wouldn't see. make sense from them from a cap standpoint. It would be weird. It, yeah, it would be weird. Yeah. And so, you, but you've got Allen Robinson, and now you've also got Ty Hilton on the market, who I think has some juice left, um, in a certain situation. But if you look at the names of receivers here, so these are guys that even if they're not stars like Robinson, you think, wow, that guy can play. It's weird that they're all free agents. So besides Allen Robinson, you've got Ty Hilton, you've got Terrell Williams, you've got Watkins, obviously, you've got. Uh, Corey Davis, you've got Will Fuller, you've got a f- just Marvin Jones. You've got a few names on here of guys who have been productive in the league for a while and who can still play. And so maybe the plan here is like, no, we're not going to run out there in the first week. You know, you know Nelson Aguilar, who had a great year last year as a mm-hmm. deep threat in mm-hmm. Vegas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've got... You've got Chris. I mean, now that I'm really looking at this, you've got. I'm. I'm leaving, I left out a ton of names there. Now that I finally like use Spot Track the way you're supposed to, you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton. These are all guys who can play. And so maybe the idea is, how many teams in a weird cap year are going to break the bank on a receiver? Two they or just- three. I don't know the answer to I think, that. I, I, mean, think, I don't I think know. The max, no one's told me. I think the max is four would be my guess right now um, because some teams are going to be somewhat hesitant because, look, it's still a good rookie draft class coming in, mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rookie That's, draft class. It ain't it ain't exactly what it was last year, but it's pretty good. Yeah, um, so what if, yeah, what if you're so the I would Chiefs? say four. I, I think Corey Davis is the real intriguing guy because yes. we on we on the athletic have him as the fifth best receiver based on years, service, athletic ability, and the fact that he really has no uh no big injury history of late. If Corey Davis gets a big deal, um that may change the market some, but he's kind of like that. He's kind of that that dividing line, I would say, and whatever happens to him, and this is why I put him in one of my stories last week, like he is He's the topest. He's he's the tier that the Chiefs can can sniff around. Mm-hmm. Um, where I feel like maybe a Nelson Aguilar or a Curtis Samuel is more realistic. But I would say to answer your question, Seth, I'd say four, maybe five, with Corey Davis being the fifth guy. Right, and that would be, and then so then if your guy, let's say it's like four at the most, then someone's on the outside looking in. And it's either a slightly younger guy like a Curtis Samuel or a Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, we are not that far removed from him being considered like maybe the best receiver in the league. And so it's been oddly quiet that he's hitting free agency. Am I wrong on that? No. Because he was unbelievable. I I think some people assume that Tampa Bay is going to make it work. But, I mean, he's he's going to take phone calls. I mean, yeah, you know, he's going to take phone do. calls when well, he's a dude that's going to look if I were to bet, I would say Allen Robinson. If we're like, let's say four guys are going to get a huge deal. I'm guessing it would be Robinson, Godwin, Davis. And then maybe, maybe I just can't see Juju getting paid this year. I and so you got like, so maybe Juju gets a huge contract. Maybe someone gives Aguilar a huge contract or Fuller a huge contract. But all of those guys have certain amounts of question marks. Same with Curtis Samuel. So eventually what you have is those, you know, those three guys or those four guys get a huge contract. Now you've got guys like, say, Curtis Samuel isn't one of the guys that gets a really big contract. So now he's got a choice here. Do you sign some kind of mid-tier contract that's probably going to be even lower than normal because it's COVID and free agency is always feast or famine? But this year, it's going to be even more so. Or do you try to sign a one-year deal where you think you can light it up, right? Like if you're Juju Smith-Schuster and you've got all kind of this negative publicity now, you want to talk about a player who would be built to take advantage of individual matchups and play X? One year in Andy Reid's system might really rehabilitate that. Wasn't that long ago we were talking about Juju as you know, the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think their opportunity lies is you either get that or a one-year ring chaser who still got it, like Marvin Jones, right? Marvin Jones can play, and he's 31. Maybe hey. he wants to chase a ring. Hey, Seth, yeah. we just need to get in a room and tell <laughs> these boys one thing. You better ball out. <laughs> you better ball. <laughs> you better ball just, out, there's so many options here that maybe that's what he means when he says, 
I, you know, we're not going to rush out the first week. You know what I mean? Where it's like you wait for that second and, round of guys. And what's and what's and then, the week? Are we talking like four days? Is it just four days qualify <laughs> a week because it's more than three, which gives you the majority of the week? Are we saying seven days? Are we seeing five days business week? What are we, what are we saying? Yeah, yeah. The, as you well know, uh, you could be in my profession. It's all in the definitions, my friend. <laughs> all in how you define the terms. But wide receiver is a place I think they should go. I, I I think they've got a lot of options this year, an unusually large number of options. Um, and I and then offensive line. And then I really want them to pick up a shiny new toy. Like I want them to like pick up a shiny new toy on the offensive line or receiver in free agency and then do it again in the first round. And all this defensive end talk is really harsh in my buzz, as it were. Yeah, so I think they're going to see if they can bring in Matt Judon. He's hitting the market. Clowney should be, uh, he'll be free again soon. Might take a little longer <laughs> with his injury rehab. Kyle Van Noy just got cut. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, funny that he hit the market. And Justin Houston, he's back out there. I think the, I think the Chiefs try to bring in all of them and then spend all their draft picks on edges. Look, <laughs> would, it, would it be weird if, you know, you're rooting for Pittsburgh because they're bringing back Ben Roethlisberger again. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, hey, Bub Dupree, we don't have any money for you. Is that the end of the pitch? I don't know. It's a bad pitch, Nate. That's a bad. <laughs> hey, Bud Dupree, we have no money for you. See you later. And and, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he and then and then the and then maybe the Chiefs make a phone call or two. I'm just you know just yeah. Maybe putting that out there. They that's make a all? phone call. They make, and that's the thing. You're gonna see a few more hey, cuts like they that. Just, they just told Ben Roethlisberger, "We ain't got no money for you," and that they're <laughs> still bringing him back. So, what do you want me to say? <laughs> that's fair. It's a good point. Uh, I want you to say goodbye to everybody because the show's gone as long as it can legally be allowed to. And here's what I will say: some stuff we didn't get to that you can go read. Seth's story about what he'd do if he was Brett Veach is on its way. I, I don't even know. It might be out by the time this podcast is out, or if not, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, you can also go read about uh, Nate's story on Brett Veach, how they're going to improve the offensive line, all the free agent targets. We we talked about several of them, but just go check out everything they've got up so far. Seth also had a little two-parter in the Chief of the North newsletter about some of the best uh, plays, some of the best moments mm-hmm. of the season. You can go check that out and check out Seth's newsletter, uh, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I think one thing this has proven, folks, is that we got to do this. We got to do this show on a consistent basis over the course of the offseason. And maybe eventually we'll start doing episodes that are less than an hour long. Maybe. So unlikely, but probably worth trying. Uh, you can follow everybody on Twitter as well. I'm at JB Briscoe. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs Fan. I think that's everything. And if it is everything, it means the last word goes to Nate again. All the Chiefs have to say is. But aren't we all just on one-year deals? So why don't you just take this one-year deal right now, dog?